Welcome, you're listening to Live with Michael Bloomling Jr., Episode 53. On today's program, our special guest is business coach Bruce Eckfeld. Hello, welcome back to Live with Michael Bloomling Jr. Today we have Bruce Eckfeld with us today. He is a strategic business coach and author and speaker, and um, we love having uh, individuals who are involved in the community who are making a difference and uh, really, you know, business is a very important aspect of growth in America. Uh, as everyone knows, I'm running for U.S. Congress in Florida and District 21. And, uh, you know, economic and work- workforce development is contingent on small businesses thriving and having strong leaders in the community who stand up and volunteer their time and giving back to nonprofits and community-based organizations and things that people are passionate about. So with that, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. I appreciate the time and I'm excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. Why don't you talk a little bit about your background and who you are and, uh, you know, the platform's all about you and, and the listeners getting a chance to find out more about you and, and what you're trying to do to help people and make a difference. Yeah, my favorite person. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just a little bit about me. So, it's sort of a, uh, a background that has many facets. So, I started as an architect, trained as an architect, uh, got into... Uh, computer automated design and uh, kind of the computer world in the late 90s, focused on software, software development, product development, um, mostly on design and strategy side, worked with a lot of companies on how to leverage digital technologies, ended up founding a tech company in 2002, uh, focused on software development, really how do we develop better systems faster, more customer feedback, um, and then uh, grew and scaled that, uh, sold that a couple of years ago, and I've been primarily focused on working with uh, what we call scale-up companies or companies that are, um, you know, are through the, the early stage startup phase. They have a going concern. They've got, uh, you know, a decent business model. They're making money and they're trying to figure out how do they grow and scale. And, and it's a, a segment, I think, of the business uh, world, a segment of the economy that I think is, is very much underserved these days. I think we've got a lot of, you know, focus on big business and, uh, you know, programs and, um, you know, things that support uh, large businesses. I think we've got a lot of focus on the startup community, uh, a lot of money and venture capital and programs, accelerators, incubators, you know, cities are, are really working to drive the startup community, but there's this big gap in the middle and, and that's where I focus. It's really helping leaders figure out how to grow and scale their business, go from a couple million in revenue to a couple hundred million in revenue. And that journey has a lot of challenges. There's a lot of transformation that needs to take place for them to navigate that successfully. And so that, that is my job. That is, that is what I do is work with those leaders and, and those leadership teams on that growth process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when um, an organization reaches a point, sometimes they grow too fast. Sometimes they're not growing fast enough. Sometimes they don't know how to do with attrition. How, sometimes they don't know how to manage talent in their organization. These things are really critical. And then how to take it to the next level, how to create yeah. those business relationships, how to compete in the marketplace and be successful. Um, because you can have, you know, millions of dollars in sales and, and be losing money. So, you know, you got, it's all <laughs> yes. about the bottom line. And it like is. they always they always say cash is king. And uh, uh-huh. like you talked about the incubators and, you know, it's really grown with, you know, trying to get startup funds for companies. But the success rate of small businesses to failure is very, very high. So, yeah. you know, it is that middle spot where you really are able to, you know, have good change management, have good policies, have good practices and procedures, you know, be able to implement your strategies and also, you know, have the quality mission and vision towards the goals and where you want to go. And any, every industry is different and every business model is different. Um, I've always found it interesting. I have a very uh, strong business background and, and uh, started my own company a few years ago. 
um, is that, you know, you see competitors right across the street from each other and you wouldn't think that that would be a business model that, you know, why do people want to compete with each other so, so closely, but really, you know, the organizations that find that sweet spot of, of where the need is and, and where they can solve a problem in the community, that's where they're able to really latch on and then they can hit those growth spurts and, and oh, reach their okay. five-year projections. And I believe a company that has a vision is going to be able to achieve it uh, much more effectively than somebody who's just like, you know, flying by the seat of their pants, you know, things are coming along and they're just gravitating or, you know, just trying to make a quick buck because, you know, sustainability is really important. What do you think, Bruce? Yeah. So, I mean, you hit on a bunch of things there. I mean, I think one thing that, that is really important that you mentioned is, you know, for a business, you know, businesses right across the street from each other, you know, on one hand, it seems like, well, silly, why would you have the same business, you know, so closely, um, you know, related and in proximity. But the fact is, is that, um, you know, the, for particularly for these mid market companies, you know, if you're under a couple hundred million in revenue, the, the opportunity is really finding your niche, finding your core customer and serving them really, really well. And so, um, one of the things we you know often working with companies on is is focusing more. The faster you want to scale, the more you need to focus. So really figuring out that core customer, how to really dial in what they need, how to dial in your products and services to meet those needs, you know, is is really the trick of the game at that growth process. And the fact is, is that those companies that are across the street from each other, they probably have different core customers, right? They have slightly different um, people they're focused on, the values that those folks have, the attributes that they're looking for, the services and products that they're looking for. And so while it can seem like the same business, in fact, is it's really radically different businesses. And that's one thing I think a lot of mid-market companies get wrong is they try to chase too many customers. They try to focus on serving everyone. And we kind of have this, this phrase that we use a lot is you can serve everyone, you, or you can serve anyone you, not, you want, just not everyone you want. So you really need to dial that in. And the better you do that, the easier it is to grow and scale. Absolutely. And sometimes it's making critical decisions within your organization that's going to help you to grow. I think those it's, are the, it's the all, those it's crucial, all about that. <laughs> yeah, those fail points. That's where uh, yeah. you need some great leadership in the organization. You know, entrepreneurship is one thing, but being able to navigate it and being able to set yourself um, is really important, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of veterans, you know, obviously I support the veteran community. I mm -hmm. actually graduated through Florida State's business school and entrepreneurship boot camp for veterans program. Um, I was actually going through that program and getting my master's at Penn State at the same time um, and working full time. So always, yeah. uh, you know, I think business and professional and, and growth go hand in hand, you know, entrepreneurs and people that, you know, you can always learn from somebody. I always try to focus on mentorship. I just had an interview with um, uh, the Mighty Oaks Foundation and and Chad Robichaw's foundation, and they're doing a lot of great things for veterans. But um, we were talking about mentorship on there. And, and I think really that's what, you know, young leaders and especially the next generation that's going to be carrying the baton, they need to really have someone that they can look up to. And, uh, you know, information, I always say this all the time, information is only valuable if it's shared. If, you know, if institutional knowledge is just locked away in a vault, you know, no one's going to gain anything from it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I had a great opportunity um, a couple of years ago to work with uh, Inc. Magazine uh, has uh, a program for um, veteran entrepreneurs. Uh, and it's fascinating. Actually, if you look at the data, you know, there are more startups founded by veterans and people that are coming out of retirement than, you know, these young 20 somethings. Right. So I think if you really look at what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, 
the, the data and the, and the typical people you find there is actually much different than I think the sort of general public perception or people's assumptions around. And, and, and I think it's great in that you're actually having people that have, you know, amazing experience around operations and execution and, you know, professionals that have uh, deep experience in different uh, technologies and domains are now going out and starting companies. And I think that's, that's one of the shifts that we're seeing in the entrepreneurial world, that it's no longer this, you know, young 20-something who can work 80 hours a week, you know, but it's a, it's a parent, it's a mother, it's a father who is now, you know, has, has children at home, they've, they've been through the business world, they're, they're starting a company later in life, and it's an interesting shift in terms of the culture, in terms of how they approach it, the sophistication, uh, and I think you'll see that over the coming, you know, years, that the, the sort of this entrepreneurial spirit, this entrepreneurial culture is, is going to morph and, and really kind of develop in different ways than we expect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our president, Donald J. Trump, has done a great job um, to really help bringing that concept back, to, you know, the capitalistic approach to business and giving people the opportunity to really, you know, grow their business and, and have a, you know, a marketplace where they're able to advance and they don't have to compete with China or, you know, high taxes. You know, obviously, you know, when an organization is in its incubator state, you know, paying less taxes is obviously going to help their business grow and they can put that money back into their business and, and what their, you know, things that they want to do, marketing, PR, things of that nature. Um, but you know, everybody has their different viewpoints on, you know, politics, but you know, obviously I'm involved yep. with politics, but you know, individuals like ourselves, you know, you have networks like LinkedIn, you know, I've been, we've been connected for several years on LinkedIn. We've been interfacing with each other and I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, people can also follow me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on, uh, at Twitter at four at four USA freedom. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, business leadership, and I think LinkedIn is such a perfect example of that, of a yeah. platform that allows people to grow business. And, and there's so many ways to use LinkedIn. And I think a lot of young professionals need coaching on that. And, um, you know, individuals like ourselves have published books. Why don't you talk about some of the books you uh, published, Bruce, and some of the, you know, your best kept secrets that, you know, you share with younger people or people that are making a transition into entrepreneurship. Yeah, I mean, most of the content I'm producing these days is really focused on kind of two things. It's really understanding strategy. I mean, I think that most people don't really understand what does it mean to think strategically, to have a strategy, position themselves strategically. So every business that I work with, every CEO, every leadership team that I work with, you know, we are focusing on what does it mean to be different, right? Like how do you create a differentiated strategy? Because I think that's a lot of what is kind of lacking in the business world is everyone's kind of chasing everything. And I think the more that you can figure out how, how are you going to address the market in, in a new and different way, that's going to give you the ability to price it, you know, in a way that's going to give you a superior profit. And I think most people don't get that. The other thing I think that I, I've, I focus a lot of time on and I write a lot about is the whole evolution of leaders. And I think that, you know, what I, I, I certainly find this a lot is I end up going into companies, working with a founder who's now CEO and, they realize that they're not the person to actually grow and scale the company. They're, they're great at founding companies. They're great at getting ideas into market, developing products and services, amazing technologists, amazing scientists, but they get into a position where now they've got a company of a couple hundred people and, and they're not happy, right? They're not doing what they love. And, and so we have to figure out how to either, you know, get them in a position in the company that allows them to focus on what they're extremely good at and they love doing and bring in people who are or do love the growth phase, you know, do love to take a company from a couple hundred to a couple hundred to a couple thousand people. Um, but it's this whole, I think we've got 
you know, assumptions or we've got these kind of norms like, like I have to be good at everything or I have to be good at every scale of the company. And a lot of what I end up doing is just coaching and advising folks on, look, do you really want to do this? Is this what you love to do? And, and maybe not. And, and that's okay. But we have to have that conversation and figure out how do, we, how do we then deal with that at the company level before we try to scale it. Absolutely. We got Bruce Eckfeld on the line with us on Live with Michael Blumen Jr. Um, you know, I, having served on big teams, large teams, small teams, yeah. you know, serving in the United States Army. That's um, one of the biggest of, teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On infantry groups and, uh, you know, all the fun stuff that I did overseas for three and a half years of my four years of service. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot of different things. You know, the team element now is changing. You know, you have yeah. remote, you know, the cultures are changing. People are trying to balance work, life, you know, all these different aspects. And, you know, really trying to get the best out of your employees. I think that's really, you know, a challenge for organizations. And when you're talking about leaders and whether you, you enjoy doing something, you don't enjoy doing something, you know, a lot of times you will, in life, everything is about who you know. I mean, honestly, it just, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a great, you know, profile, you graduate from a good school, but, you know, some one person has a hard time getting a job, another person gets their foot in the door. Yep. So, I mean, honestly, networking is such, you know, next to mentorship, the next thing is, is networking. I think Absolutely. networking is so valuable. And that's yeah. one of the things that I really like love is networking. Um, but, you know, when you find that spot where you have business development, networking, and you're able to take an idea and bring it to life, I think that's where, you know, people who, you know, aspire for something more and, and greatness, that's where you get the Jeff Bezos and, you know, the people like that that are really able to think outside the box and just elevate things to a new level. Um, you know, for example, you know, I never imagined that I would publish three books, you know, just you kind of fall through the steps and then you see where it leads you and then you decide, oh, you know, what? this is kind of this is interesting. I'd love to share the information I have and give it back to other people. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of, you know, people that are focused on content development, I think you kind of go into it thinking, oh, well, what am I going to write about that everyone in the world is going to want to hear? And I think that's actually the wrong mindset, the wrong approach. Like really what you want to do is figure out who are the the 100, the 200, the 500 people that I really want to touch, that I really want to have an impact on, write the book for them, write the content for them. And, and you may touch a lot more than that, but dialing it in, focusing on those folks that you really want to, uh, you know, communicate with, get ideas to, is all you really need to do. And obviously in today's world of, you know, all the different kind of abilities to publish and self-publish and targeted publishing, like you don't need to write a book that's going to be a bestseller. In fact, I don't think that's a a winning strategy for most professionals and most business owners and, and most entrepreneurs and uh, you know folks that you really just want to dial in who are the couple hundred people that I really want to communicate with like and and that's all you need like if you can just have a good idea that you can get to those folks that's a that's a successful content strategy and one of the things I love about you, you're very modest and you do have a wealth of information and knowledge I respect that and I love that but you know when people if they want to get you know individual coaching they want to get into one of your programs they want to read one of your books where can they do to do that um, if they're just jumping on now or that you know they got they got a couple minutes and, and they want to be able to check out what you're doing why don't you share that information yeah so my personal website my business website is eckfelt.com just my last name.com um, I also write for Inc a lot you can I have links to uh, my Inc articles I, I publish weekly there there's a couple hundred articles on Inc uh, I run two podcasts as well so one's called Scaling Up Services. The other one is Thinking Outside the Bud. So it's all about cannabis and the business of cannabis. Um, and I, do, I produce a lot of content. I interview a lot of folks on that. Fascinating things around business and culture and you know, how to grow and scale business in both of those environments. But yeah, no, my, that's my focus is to create great content, put it out in the world, and you know, hopefully touch as many people as possible that are in the business community and struggling to figure out how do you take the business to the next level. That's what we talk about on that. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously what you're doing is fantastic. And, you know, it's interesting when you put your name out there and then people, you know, everybody's going to have a different viewpoint. Some people oh, yeah. are going to agree with you, some aren't. It's always interesting when you get in that space. But, um, you know, when you are validated and people start to adopt some of your doc, you know, indoctrinate some of the things that you really believe in, you know, it is a really cool feeling. And, you know, it makes you feel like, wow, you know, you know, I am adding value to a certain marketplace or a certain group of people mm-hmm. and they appreciate that and value that you know, what are some of your motivators? You know, I'm a person that, you know, it's always about, you know, money is one thing, you know, everybody wants to make a lot of money. You know, everybody's like, Oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to drive a Maserati. I want to live in a mansion, but they don't know the hard work and the dedication, the sacrifice, you know, you know, that takes to get there. You know, people are like, Oh, well, you're running for us Congress. If anybody can do it, it's you. And it's like, yeah, you know, but you know, that nobody knows that, you know, like I slept in my car, I was homeless for a while. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices an entrepreneur and you have to believe in yourself. So what are some of the things that you, you know, things that you use to inspire other people or personal stories about yourself that, you know, really drives you to want to do this because, you know, writing hundreds of articles, rank magazine, you know, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I would say the one, the one thing I've learned or one thing that it, it's, um, I've realized over time, I think in the beginning, I was very concerned about trying to make everyone happy uh, or, or make it, you know, have everyone's approval on a lot of these things. Uh, and, and now my kind of mindset on this is if I'm not pissing a couple of people off with every article I write, then something's wrong, right? It, you want to, the fact is, if you're going to have impact, you have to take a stand, you have to make a point. And that point is not going to be agreeable with some people. And that's okay, right? So I think that's the one thing that I would say is if you're not doing something because you're afraid of the reaction you're going to get, the you know negative feedback you're going to get with folks. That's actually a good sign. It's a sign that you've taken a, a stance. It's that you've taken an opinion and you've put it out there in the world. And the fact that you're getting some people that are disagreeing with it, that's okay. In fact, that's good. That's showing that you're you're on the right track. Um, yeah, I mean, I must say, you know, I mean, I, I certainly have had my uh, horror stories of of divorce and being broke and not sure how I'm going to pay rent and all these things, you know, and, and, and the fact is, is that most of the successful business people that I've talked to, they've had that experience in life. And, and I think what it tells them, there, there's kind of this understanding or, or willingness to risk things because they know they can survive a downturn. They know they can survive a situation like that. And I think people that haven't, the people that um, have never been through that, don't realize that they can. And so they're afraid of taking the risks. Um, you know, not to say that I think you should take, uh, you know, unreasonable risks, but I think that, um, you know, knowing that you have the resilience to push through on those things is uh, incredibly powerful. And it's something I see a lot in the successful business people that I've worked with. Yeah. You look at Tony Robbins and just a lot of other people. I mean, the, the, you just, you know, Tony Robbins, like six, eight or something, you know, how he, he was sleeping in his yeah. car before. Yeah. It's like, how did he, you know, there is a lot of sacrifices because, you know, not everybody has a silver spoon. And even if you have a silver spoon, sometimes you don't know how to eat with it. (laughs) You know, it's like one of those things, you know, it's kind of like, it's everybody has their own walk in life. And that's what I love about business. That's what I love about people. I love interacting with people because, you know, that's what I think is that human element is where people really are able to become something for themselves. And, and, you know, I don't think that your circumstance can define you. It's, it's what's inside you that, so when you have business leaders like yourself and you're able to disseminate information that people can gravitate to, I think that's so powerful and that's really being optimal for yourself. And it, but you know, with that, Bruce, what are some of the goals that you really want to hit for yourself? What are things you're striving for? You know, you're helping all these other business leaders. How does uh, Bruce uh, grow and, and develop himself? Yeah, um, good question. Uh, 
you know, I think that I've, one of the reasons I love doing what I do is I'm constantly learning and constantly incorporating new ideas, talking with new people, understanding new experiences, how to incorporate new strategies, new frameworks into the work that I do. I, I, every time I meet with a client, I'm incorporating something new that I've learned or developed in terms of how they approach their business, how they approach their role in leaders. And so that, that is the sort of the continuous learning kind of thing that, that has been fascinating for me. I mean, I, th I think one of the things that I've focused on is how does the work I do impact the businesses that I've uh, worked with? So, you know, my, my metric is how do I get to a billion dollars of value in terms of the increased revenue, increased, uh, you know, sales and things of the companies that I've worked with. Um, and that's a, that's a great motivating factor because it, then it, it does everything from decides who I want to work with, right? Like when I meet a prospect, you know, it's now like, are they going to have, or am I, am I going to be able to work with them to grow them to the point to have that kind of impact? So if I can work with a company that's going to go from 10 to 100 million, I'd rather do that than work with a company that's go from five to 10 million, right? So it, it really helps dial in my focus in terms of where I want to create impact. Because ultimately my, my role is how do, we, you know, how do we improve the economy by improving these mid-market companies? Because that's, that's where we're going to create the jobs, that's where we're going to create you know, economic capabilities, we're going to raise the standard of living, is really working on this mid-market group and help them grow and succeed. Yeah, working on the macro level, you know, I'm, I'm a visionary, I'm a strategic vision person. Um, I always try to learn every single day. It's great that you said that because I think great leaders and, and people that understand people are always, I'm like, I'm constantly hungry for information. To me, knowledge is power. There's no stupid question, you know, yeah. and I think people that have that kind of mindset, you know, tend to rise above. And, you know, a lot of these things are judged by standardized testing. You know, you look at the LSAT, GMAT, you know, we got a young, probably a lot of young, younger people that are, you know, trying to get in, break into business or, you know, considering college or not going to college. You know, yeah. the demographics of information, like people getting information, um, like this podcast right here, your, your podcast, the things that we're doing, people have access to that at a younger age than ever before. You know, before you maybe went to college and then you decided, you know, I'll go work on Wall Street and that doesn't work out for you. And then you have to be in a chiropractor or something, you know, people's mm -hmm. path is all over the board. But nowadays, there's so much information that people can really tap into this valuable content. And, you know, that's what I think this platform is so valuable. They can tap into information and, and tap into something that you're talking about or doing, and they, it's real for them. And I think that's where things that, that we can really make a difference. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's it's kind of the... Uh you know, both, both wonderful as well as disrupting aspect of, you know, the world today in terms of information and education and content is you can get all this stuff. I mean, within minutes, you can do searches and find, you know, pretty much access to anything you want on pretty much any subject. So what, what is the point of education? What is the point of school? I mean, I think that's, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of kind of transformation happening in that space. And, and you know, like, I'm not, I'm not sure there are any obvious answers yet. But, uh, you know, I think younger folks who are you know, going through the educational process, you know, getting into the workforce, um, you know, it's just a different game, a different game than it was, you know, certainly 50 year ago, years ago, even 20 years ago, um, you know, and how you educate yourself and taking control of your own educational future and, and setting, you know, putting your plan together, figuring out what you want to be and, and then doing the work yourself. I think it's, there's just so many opportunities for this that I'm excited to see what happens over the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to politics, you know, you do a lot of work. What kind of groups do you support as far as nonprofits? You know, what are some passionate organizations that you support with the influence and, and some of the great, you know, things that you're able to accomplish with your life, Bruce? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty squarely focused on education and um, younger, younger folks, you know, 
pre pre high school, mainly because I think you know, and this may be a little cynical of my, I think anyone anyone post high school is pretty much been set you know they, they've kind of the concrete is hardened and they're pretty you know in terms of their thinking and their mindset and where they're going to go um so my real focus is how do we help uh younger folks and, and a lot of it is around um you know how how do they sort of take control of uh their circumstance how do they take control of uh their future how do they plan how do they think how do they develop self-confidence how do they develop uh, you know, creative skills, you know, how do they think through problems, strategic thinking, you know, all of my work, uh, both in terms of money and time goes towards organizations that are focused. I tend to focus fairly locally. I, th I think that, um, you know, the, the best uh, sort of money and time spent is helping your local communities. Uh, and if everyone does that, that will ultimately raise the, you know, raise the tide on everything. But yeah, I think that most of the opportunity here is working with sort of the next generation, helping give them the skills, the mindset, the wherewithal, uh, the capabilities, the thinking to be successful in the future. And, you know, hopefully that will pay back in 20, 30, 40 years when they enter the workforce. Yeah, it's a very interesting you said that. The episode before this, episode 51, I interviewed Caleb Lawson. It was his very first interview and he's 17. So yeah. he's work, he graduated high school already. He's work, he was homeschooled. Um, he's working in his dad's uh, photography business, which is self-grown and it's a worldwide company. I'm flying all over, doing all these pretty cool things. And it's like, this kid's 17. When I was yep. 17, I was just trying to graduate high school. And then I joined the army a little bit after high school. Yeah. And I was all my way. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it's unbelievable now. These kids now are so locked in and engaged. Like you said, you know, you got to get to them early. And, and I think that's where we really got to preserve our patriotic values. And we got to, we, we got to get civics back to our kids. I think that's really important. And people, you know, understand and respect the flag. People don't have to agree. But I think that's some of the things that we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot of, you know, infighting and division. And, yeah. you know, we got the impeachment thing going on and a lot of other things that are happening. But, you know, these things do impact the business world. The stock market is really high right now. Um, and younger people need to be educated on the stock market. You know, they need to understand about investments and saving money. I think the millennials, you know, a lot of millennials are still, you know, living with their parents somewhat. And, you yeah. know, a lot of people are still relying on, you know, trying to hold on to somewhat of a family value. But, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of the baby boomers obviously are, you know, they're falling, you know, retiring and you look at all the world war ii veterans there's like hardly anyone left in pearl harbor yep. there's like three left in the world and we just celebrated yep. that the other day so you know we think about all these things that are happening and they're happening so quickly but there comes a time where you know this information is so valuable but it's critical for our freedom and our nation and and the sovereignty of our country yeah i would i certainly agree that i think the um you know, the key here is how do we have open dialogue? How do we talk about this stuff? You know, unfortunately, you know, I do think there is, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of, um, um, you know, heat, heated debate that's not based on real sharing of ideas and considering other people's ideas. You know, it's based on, you know, having, having fixed opinions and, and not really willing to consider, um, uh, you know, open, honest dialogue on things. I, I mean, honestly, I think that one of the biggest challenges we have in business is the fact that we have this multi-generational workforce now. I mean, if you look at the data, if you look at the generations that are now in the workforce, baby boomers are not leaving as fast. So they're sticking around. Millennials are coming in. Gen X is kind of caught in the middle. If you look at that, the, the mix that is happening in the workforce, it is a, it is more mixed than it has ever been. And I think that's, it's a challenge for a lot of employers because they're not sure exactly how to deal with it. They've got different values, different norms, different standards, different upbringings that are now trying to work together. And I think if, if, 
I think employers specifically, but I think in general as a culture, if we don't figure out how to work together effectively, you know, it's, it's really going to, it's going to hurt our productivity. It's going to hurt our business success and ultimately hurt the economy and hurt the country. So I, absolutely, I you know, yeah, economic growth is very vital and, and critical to our right. nation's success. And, and, uh, and also obviously uh, preventing terrorists from harming Americans that's high on the list as well. But you look at, you know, when people are working together, um, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, they have so many remote employees and, you know, people, well, I'm the kind of person, I don't, I don't pre-qualify anybody. I give somebody the opportunity to prove their value and who they are, you know, but everything is made in such a quick, everything's so fast yeah. and, and it's like a split second decision. And then before you know it, you know, companies make errors. And uh, so I think it's critical, you know, that employers understand, you know, trying to get the right fit in the culture, but sometimes you need somebody in your organization who no. doesn't think or act like you to help bring a different skill set. And I think employers are missing a lot of that and uh, pre-qualifying people. No, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about diversity in the workplace, you know, and there's, you know, obviously gender, racial, cultural, background, economic, you know, social situations, diversity, but there's also thinking style values. And I think that you, you really need to kind of understand what are, what are your non-negotiables and what are the things you're flexing around um, and, you know, in, intentionally creating the right sort of diversity mix. So you've got better ideas, better perspectives. I think the companies that do that well are going to be much more successful. The companies that don't, don't do that or do, do that poorly or there's, their growth is just going to be stymied. And you mentioned this virtual team is something we, we deal with a lot at this, this big shift from sort of virtual workers from being kind of a labor arbitrage strategy, right? Like how do I find someone, you know, in some foreign country that can do this, you know, for $5 an hour rather than $50 an hour to really being a talent access strategy. So, you know, now the talent, the sort of the talent scarcity is, is so great, you know, finding the people that I need to actually build my business and run my team. If I go with a virtual model, I now have a much broader labor tool I can pull from, which is, is great. It opens up opportunities for finding the talent you need, but then it creates a really different cultural um, kind of dynamic in the company when you've got a highly virtualized company, particularly when you've got a lot of local folks and then all these dispersed folks. Um, and, and it's one of the big challenges. I spend a lot of time with companies um, dealing with this kind of how do I build the culture when I've got a highly distributed, highly virtual workforce. Um, and there's ways to do it, like you, but you need to really think differently. And it's not like building a regular company. It's, it's, it's hard. You need to be very intentional about it. Yeah. And the interesting thing too, a lot of these different markets, like you mentioned cannabis, I know that's a big thing um, that's jumping up, especially in the yeah. veteran community. Veterans are blowing up with starting businesses, entrepreneurs yeah. in, in that lane. And also with microbreweries. I mean, that's another yeah. area. Like there's all these things that are like, you know, things, businesses evolve and you think these things are just, you know, entrepreneurs are like 13 and 14 year olds now. I'm oh, just man. amazed yeah. that some of these kids that are millionaires often, you know, especially they're able to leverage these YouTube videos and like just yep. so many different ways that people are making money. It's just, uh, Hey, I think it's remarkable. If you could think outside the box and you could grow something, uh, you know, that, that means a lot to me. We have Bruce Eckfeld on the line with us today. Um, he's an entrepreneur and just, you know, just a great person. Really thankful that you're on the show. Again, why don't you tell people where they can connect with you and how they can get your content and how they can um, really just, you know, if they need any more information, they can reach you. Yeah. So uh, Eckfeldt.com, E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T.com is my uh, website, has all of the information about the work that I do, has links to my content, uh, my blog. I've got a bunch of videos on there. Uh, 
uh, it has links to my Inc. Uh, articles. So I write for Inc. I also run two podcasts, uh, thinkingoutsidethebud.com and scalingupservices.com. Uh, so if you're either in the cannabis space or you're a service-based business, I've got lots of uh, over 100 episodes on each of those talking to experts about how they've grown and scaled their business in those industries. Um, yeah, it's just, it, I love interviewing. I love talking to folks who have, have had success, who have failure, why they had both of those and learning uh, because there's, you know, the fact is, is all these problems have been, uh, you know, solved in different ways by different people. And if you can just find the content and talk to the people, you can avoid 99% of the challenges you're likely to face in business. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So Bruce, thank you very much. And uh, have a great uh, Christmas or Hanukkah and uh, enjoy, you. enjoy hey, and help those businesses, man. They need it. So let's help, let's help stimulate the economy and help those businesses grow. Big, big plans for 2020. That's what I'm looking for. Exactly, man. Take care. Thank you so much, Bruce. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Live with Michael Blimling Jr., which airs five days a week, Monday through Friday. On our next program, we'll have author Lee Cockrell. Contribute to Live with Michael Blumling Show at patreon.com.